All right. This is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. My name is Miguel Torres, and I am your host. And we're going to get right at it. This is Life As You Know It, Part 3. Your eyes. Your eyes. The saying goes, as people say, your eyes are the window to your soul. And that statement packs quite a bit into it if you even believe you have a soul. What is a soul? What does it do for you? How are you being led by it? How is it representing you? Where is it? All these things, you know, bring those questions into mind when you hear that. The eyes are the window to the soul. It's an interesting sign. And I'll just leave it at that. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. That's my opinion. <laughs> sometimes it is, and sometimes they're not. But your eyes. Something about something about eye color. People don't really discriminate against. Skin color, yeah. For sure. Eye color and hair color? You know, not nowhere near. Skin color. We just think of it differently, don't we? We perceive them and understand them to be different with the mind that views it through our eyes. There's another saying. And it's something like this. What do you see with your mind's eye? Now, that one's a little bit different. That one's talking about a different type of perception. Something beyond the five senses, right? So, as I read this to you, I want you to think about the mind behind the eyes. The eyes see the pictures. But there's a mind behind the eye that is coloring what the eyes are seeing. In other words, if you just take the eyeballs, they don't have a mind. It's you and how you're thinking of what you're looking at. That matters. All right? So, some of these stories you have heard before. You know them. But I'm asking you to think about them differently as I read it to you, okay? This is uh, Matthew 14, 1 through 12. It's about John the Baptist, okay? John the Baptist was, was by blood to Jesus' mother Mary, Jesus' cousin. And he had quite a, quite a mission given to him before he was conceived and he's about to die like execution style so how would your mind perceive what your ears hear and your mind pictures what I'm reading at that time Herod the Tetrarch heard the reports about Jesus 
And Herod the Tetrarch is a, we consider him like a governor. He's a political leader in charge of a larger area than a city. And he said to the attendants, this is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work with him, work in him. Now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered John a prophet. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guests and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Now, this is an official dinner. Like I said, he's a governor. So this is not like hanging out at your house and you got some friends over. He has his military leaders, his elected and appointed officials, and guests of significance to him and those guests, to him and his political and elected leaders. Oh, appointed, rather. Appointed elected leaders. It's official function. It's an official function. And on Herod's birthday, oh, yeah, she danced for Herodias, or her, uh, Herod. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guests and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was distressed. Imagine that. Performance blows everybody's mind. The king says what he says. Everybody realizes that the king's mind is blown. And the person who provided that entertainment asks for that. The head of someone that many people consider to be a prophet on a platter. And other people are hearing it. Like other elected officials, other appointed officials, other military leaders, and non-military or political guests as well. They're hearing that. So it's understandable that he was distressed. But because of his because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in the prison. His head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl, who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. And then they went and told Jesus. Now that's, that's, uh, that's quite... A picture for people to be seeing with their eyes. I see their political leader being entertained by his stepdaughter. And he makes a promise that is quite drastic. And then they hear what she wants. And then they see that he's bothered by it. But then they hear and see him say and motion to the people he's talking to with his body and his eyes to fulfill the request of his stepdaughter.
That's pretty strange. It's pretty strange. So it continues. The next story right after that one is what happens when Jesus heard that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been executed. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. He went to be alone. Our minds have imaginations. I'd imagine that there are many reasons for why he'd want to be alone, but I can't pretend to have those answers right now. So when he heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he heard he had compassion on them and healed their sick. This is right after that. So what you're hearing, I want you to understand what might be seen. And here's something you definitely don't see in this passage. And that's revenge. You don't see Jesus get revenge. In fact, he started healing people, which is pretty much the opposite of how many of us think of getting even. Right? Different. I'm going to do that again. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to join him, came to him, excuse me. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's getting late. Send the crowd away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to, something to eat. Period. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Now that's interesting. He said, you feed him. They say we don't have enough. He says, sit down, because that's a position of rest. You see people sitting at rest. That's what the disciples would see. Have the people sit down. Have the people sit down. Put them at rest. It's interesting. Very interesting. Then Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. Bring them here to me, he said. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men not including women and children. That's interesting. 
Imagine seeing that. And if you knew, if you were there and you knew that Jesus's cousin, John the Baptist, had been executed, I'm sure word spread from his disciples. It'd be pretty amazing to see somebody who many of the population considered to be a prophet executed. And you see this person who is performing all kinds of signs and miracles that people cannot explain, which is why people are following him. And they're seeing Jesus in a different way because they're not seeing him take revenge. They're not seeing him follow through with any of the laws of the old covenant when it comes to having been harmed or injured in a way that wasn't lawful. That is what happened to John the Baptist. He was unlawfully executed. For entertainment. For entertainment. <clears throat> okay. It is interesting how the, our minds perceive things that our eyes see. All right. Now, this one has to deal with fear, primarily fear of the eyes. The perceived fear of the eyes. And this is continuing in Matthew 14. So this is after, and we'll read that last sentence again. The number of those who ate were 5,000, not including women and children. So the same day, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowd. So he's saying, you guys go on ahead. I'm going to take care of these people. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray again. He went to pray again. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So you can see, when you picture that, cresting waves, you don't see the wind, but you see the effect of wind on the water and on objects. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost. Hmm. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. That's interesting. They see him, and he's like, if it's really you, tell me to come out on the water. And he's the only one that's recorded of having said that, and he's the only one that's recorded of having actually gotten out of the boat and walked on the water. So here we go. Tell me... If, Lord, if it's you, 
If you are who you say you are, tell me to come to you on the water. He says, come. He said, then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. He believed and he was doing it. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. You don't see wind, like I said. You see the effective winds on the effective wind on things. So he took his eyes off of Jesus and he looked elsewhere. And there was fear. He looked at fear. Because you can't see the wind. And you can't see fear. But you can certainly feel it when it's bumping up against you. You can certainly see it in the eyes and the expressions, the body language of others when they're going through it. Like the wind, you can't see it. But you certainly know it when you see it. <laughs> kind of funny. All right. <clears throat> Tell me to come on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me! Exclamation point. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And look at that. Peter failed. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And he doesn't say, dummy. He says, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Then those who were in the boat worshipped Jesus, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. It wasn't because they fed. It wasn't because he fed 5,000 people, 5,000 men, not including women and children. It's because of a personal miracle. that defied what we know to be the laws of nature. Truly you are the son of God. And when they climbed in, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place, the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak and all who touched it were healed. Imagine seeing that. And this is right after he got a really bad piece of news. Kind of interesting. Now, this next one is going into Matthew 15. And this further explains how the mind has to change so that the eyes are calibrated correctly for the new covenant. All right? This is Matthew 15. Here we go. This is immediately following what I just finished. And all who touched his cloak were healed. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law, the Ten Commandments, the Old Covenant, 
came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples break the, the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Had nothing to do with the mind. It had everything to do with outward external performance. And how that performance is perceived as acceptable or unacceptable. Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. That's the old covenant. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites, exclamation point. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Interesting. Interesting. So obviously the leaders have done something with all the laws, the Ten Commandments, the Big Ten, and all the ancillary laws. They've done something with these laws that were not they were not supposed to have done. And Jesus is telling them about it. And it comes down to helping people understand the new covenant and why it cannot be mixed with the old covenant. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus called the crowd to him, called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? Jesus replied, this is interesting too. Every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind leave the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, explain the parable to us. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? Are you still so dull? Let me move that one again. Do you not see, not do you not see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them, and he's talking to his disciples. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, 
theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. He's changing. He's trying to help them change the way they think by way of using their eyeballs because that's what they brought to him. Hey, don't you see this is happening? Your mind knows it should not be. Your eyes see it. What do you say about this? What are you going to do? Now, we don't have the weight of that kind of a situation in our daily decisions, but we certainly do have plenty of decisions. And we certainly do have eyes to see. And we certainly do have a mind to think. And I did Matthew 15, 1 through 20, in addition to Matthew 14, because it ties in beautifully. That's what the whole point of this podcast is. To help you change your mind about who Jesus is. To help you understand him better. And his creation that is this earth. And that includes marijuana. It does. It includes marijuana. You even go out and say it includes psychedelic mushrooms. They grow naturally. Now, I know right here in this scripture, Matthew 15, 1 through 20, it said, every plant that my father has not planted will be pulled up by their roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Now, every plant that my father did not plant, I do hit on this because there's no way the one the one angelic being who is called the father of lies steal, kill, and destroy is his mission. It makes no sense that that person that angelic being can create something that's good for human beings, like marijuana. Now check this out. Before the Ten Commands were given in Egypt, the Israelites were in Egypt, right? And this is like Disney's done a movie on this, a cartoon. The ten, the ten plagues, the plagues that Moses and Aaron put down on Egypt and Pharaoh, right? Pharaoh's magicians were doing everything too. There are only two things that they could not do. They did, they did all that stuff. They multiplied the frogs. They made more water into blood. They polluted more things. They could, they could increase the damage of the plague that Jesus was giving them. They could not reverse it. So there's, what I'm trying to get at is, it's interesting that this is recorded, and this is all prior to the Ten Commandments. And remember, I'm talking about marijuana and plants and people and using plants as an as a as an illustration for people. All right. As an illustration for people. Those magicians couldn't make anything. 
when Moses turned dirt into lice or fleas? They said, the magician said, that's creation of life. That's the difference. Making more frogs produce, come into the city and annoy people. That's not creation of life. That's just transportation. But turning in dirt into life, a living being, the magician's response to Pharaoh was this. We cannot do it. This is the finger of God. It's quite interesting. They recognize the limitations of what they can do. And they recognize that the only one who could do that was one greater than them. It is interesting. Now, I, can, I said that one because there's also another parable that Jesus tells about the wheat and the tares in a garden. The analogy is people. It's four people, rather. Analogy is four people. He refers to people as plants, the wheat and the tares. In nowhere in the Bible does it say that the that Lucifer created some type of vegetation that's actually really good for people. Not only for healing purposes, but it's going to make you laugh if you want to. I'm not going to make you laugh, but it might help you slow down so you'd be more ready to laugh when the time comes. It's not what people put into their mouths that defile them. It's what comes out of their mouth that defiles them. Right? New covenant. The doing is believing. And the taming of the tongue is... Whew. Oh, I think I was talking about that with one of the guests. Yeah, it was. It was talking about that in the last year, 2022. Brendan Roberts from Canada is a grower. He grew up in uh, Dominica, and we were talking about how the tongue cannot be tamed, yet at the same time, it's the tongue that declares freedom by way of love and the receipt of love from Jesus. It's amazing. It's not something you have to work towards. That's performance. That's the old covenant. You really cannot do anything to earn his love. He gives it to each and every one of us. Personally. If it feels like it's not being offered personally. Maybe the mind behind the eyes has gotten too used to something that it should not have gotten too used to. And it's having a hard time seeing anything different from the past. And that's where encouragement comes. Don't stay in the past. 
Pick your face up. Sing. Your eyes tell a story. You use them for many things. Whatever color your eyes are, they are beautiful. They are beautiful. This is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity Podcast. My name is Miguel Torres, and I am your host. Love you all.